We're back for another Inside the U podcast. This is Christopher Stock. I'm here with David Lake. You can visit InsideTheU.com. Follow us on Twitter at InsideTheU. Or you can email the show, InsideTheUPodcast at gmail.com. David, we're going we're gonna to talk mostly about Clemson. Uh, Miami's coming off a win against Virginia Tech. We didn't do a podcast. We apologize. Uh, thanks, everyone, for their patience. We're just going to get into Clemson. But, David, is, is there anything you want to talk about with, with Virginia Tech before we get into the big game against Clemson? Any, any takeaways real quick about Virginia Tech that stood out to you? Yeah, I'd say there's a few interesting things, I guess, from the Virginia Tech game. Kind of their solution to, to fixing the offensive line issues. They went with a bigger rotation. And they played some guys at different spots. Casey McDermott started at guard, got the first start of his career at guard, which I'm sure he he wouldn't have expected. But uh, yeah, he played a lot at guard, and you know I think I think that's what Miami should roll with he, from here on out is keep using Casey at guard, um, give Casey more snaps, and maybe reduce the snaps of Alex Gall. I think you know the game changing moment against Virginia Tech was that drive before halftime, um, you know, when, when Brad Kai was able to draw the Virginia Tech defense offsides and they took a free shot down the field and Herb Waters came up with a 45-yard catch and that allowed Miami to keep a drive alive and eventually score a touchdown going into halftime, which gave them a touchdown lead. And then the last thing I think that was big from the Virginia Tech game was uh, unfortunately losing middle linebacker Rafael Kirby, who, you know, everyone on the team says is the heart and soul of the defense, definitely their leader, um, leading tackler, all that stuff. So Miami's going to have to figure out what to do at middle linebacker. Jawan Young, who filled in for Rafael, made a big play early, coming up with an interception against Virginia Tech as soon as he got in. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are kind of, I guess the three things I took away from the game. Yeah. Let's just kind of stay with that. We'll just stay in with Raphael a little bit. So Miami's going to, you know, Miami beat Clemson and proved a four and two, got their first ACC win. Obviously, uh, you know, important to get that first ACC win, obviously, but you know, David, we talked about Virginia Tech. It doesn't feel like it's a strong Virginia Tech team who dropped a three and four. Um, so, but you know, you want to put teams like that in your rearview mirror as you're, uh, you know, as you're competing for the division, um, with with Raphael gone, um, you know, Jawan Young stepped in. Uh, what do you think of Jawan? I guess what do you remember? You know, Jawan's a guy that, you know, he only played three snaps against Florida State. He wasn't really in the mix. They were, they were, he wasn't a guy, you know, you expected him. It was going to be his time after Raphael was uh, graduated and whatnot. It, it gets sped up. But, you know, he wasn't a guy that was playing much. A lot of people don't know too much about him as a true sophomore here. What do you remember about him, uh, either as a recruit or just what do you think of him as a player? And obviously, he had the big interception when he stepped in. Yeah, I would say just based on pure talent between Jawan Young and Rafael Kirby, I would say Jawan Young is as talented as Rafael, maybe even slightly a little more talented. Um, but it's the the big difference between the two is obviously experience, um, which is a big deal at middle linebacker. And it's a big deal when you play a team like they're going to play this week in Clemson. Uh, Jawan's going to have to learn how to run that defense really quickly. Um, you know, he's he's got good size. He can run really well for a player of his size. He has pretty good physical tools. 
he showed good instincts being able to pick off that pass against Virginia Tech. But, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of things he hasn't seen yet that Raphael Kirby, you know, knew and saw all the time, uh, being a regular starter, a regular player for UM. So, yeah, I mean, the experience factor, I think, is a big deal for Jawan. And he's just going to have to get his feet in the water this week, and we'll see how that goes. Obviously a tough challenge. It's a very good, just an excellent Clemson team, and he definitely has a challenge. One thing, and just kind of talking with Jawan or hearing him speak this week in practice was, I mean, this is this is a guy that's clearly not short on confidence, the way he talks, and, you know, kind of has the attitude that, you know, Clemson's just another team. But, you know, just kind of really doesn't, you know, other players say that, but I, I guess my sense is Jawan just kind of feels that. He didn't want to give him too much credit. You really had to kind of almost force it out of him to talk about Clemson. And um, so I know he's, he, it feels like he's coming in confident. I, I know, and I'm sure you can see it too. He, he's excited for the opportunity, um, mm-hmm. you know, disappointed in, in, for Raphael's sake, but, you know, just on his own personal uh, situation, I, I know he's excited uh, to get in there because, you know, he admitted, you know, it's been tough not playing and um, that's just where it was with him and, where he was at in his career. So he's got a great opportunity. And also, you know, I asked him about, you know, facing kind of their guys and in particular Jordan Leggett, their tight end who's athletic. And I know you remember him from high school uh, seeing him, but he's a guy that five touchdowns, Miami's not faced a tight end like this before yet this season. So I kind of asked, you know, just your thoughts on Jordan and, you know, the, you know, for the linebackers, that's going to be such a big deal is how, how they can, can contain him and can't get him like let him get loose in the red zone. And he was just like, you know, he's just another tight end. So uh, just it shows his confidence and either shows it however you want to say it, either he's confident, extremely confident in his own abilities or just kind of doesn't think much of, of what they're facing. But um, that, that'll certainly be a, a key for them if they're going to be able to show uh, slow down Jordan Leggett. And then I guess, David, watching Clemson, I know you've, you've seen him multiple times this year um and i've seen them too as well and uh you know i it's a very talented team they're very good what what do you see initially what do you see i guess let's just start with the offense what do you see from the clemson offense what does miami have to do to slow them down but initially just or just what do you see when you watch them on offense and 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 then also how, how much have you seen of them yeah so i watched all of the their game against notre dame and then all of their game against Georgia Tech. So, you know, the first thing that that pops out about the Clemson offense is their quarterback, Deshaun Watson, who, you know, I think is the best, I think he's the best quarterback in the ACC. I mean, it's between him and Brad, but I think Deshaun's just a little further along at this point. Uh, I think Deshaun is, I think his talent level is that of a future number one overall NFL draft pick. I think he's that good. Uh, he can hurt you with his arm. He throws with tremendous touch. He can really rip the ball too downfield. Uh, he makes good reads, and he is very athletic. He's you know he he had an ACL or a knee injury uh, last I think December. He had surgery on it, and so now he's just starting to get back to being that running quarterback that we saw as a true freshman from him last year. So. I think it all starts with Deshaun. Uh, you know, he's got a great group of receivers, Chris, to work with, uh, starting with Artavis Scott. I know he was a guy that, that really jumps off to you. Yeah, it's funny. Or just, you know, with Deshaun, we'll get go back to him in a little bit. But, yeah, with Artavis Scott, that's their, that's their leading receiver. Um, he's only 5'11". He's a sophomore. 
again, he's from Tampa area. I think people know, or if they don't know, he grew up a big Miami fan, actually. But yeah, 5'11". And so when you watch a 5'11 guy, you're wondering what he's bringing to the table uh, of what makes him so successful. And to me, when I watched him, um, and I, you know, I, I watched, I really want, I was really wanted to concentrate on that last game against Boston College, watching them because I think that was the best game they'd play all year. Um, you know, it's 34-17. Boston College gets a late touchdown, but pretty dominant performance by Clemson. But Artavis, you know, had a huge game. Um, you know, he, he obviously is a guy with speed. He's a guy that can make plays in the open field. But what impresses me is, you know, for 5'11", he seems to have a good um, either long arms or good length to him, a, a good catch radius, a guy mm-hmm. that uh, can go get it. And, um, you know, he can beat you so many different ways. And obviously they use him in different ways in the passing game, but they're not afraid to give him a reverse, uh, try to mix that in if they can. Um, One thing I noticed about him, um, in the two games I watched was in, in each one of those games, he caught the ball in traffic at like the opposing, uh, five yard line about, and then fought his way through tackles to get into the end zone against both Notre Dame and Georgia tech. So he's a little guy, but he's really tough. He, doesn't go down easily. Yeah, and he did that against Boston College too. Just you know, exploding after the catch and making people miss. And uh, Miami's going to have their hands full facing him. There, there's no question about that. Yeah, and then I mean, going back to Deshaun Watson, um, you know, he's he's thrown a lot of picks this year, Chris. I think he he has what seven this year. Yeah, he's up to seven now. Is there anything you notice that that is a reason for that? Because the games I watched, I would say he trusts his receivers. I mean, he, he doesn't make bad reads from what I could tell. He, he'll he throw the ball up to his receivers in one-on-one situations. And, you know, some of those times the, the, the corners would come down with the ball. It was just a good play by the cornerback. The picks I saw, I wouldn't necessarily say were just terrible throws by him. Oh, I think it's two things. I think the one thing that you mentioned, he trusts. He clearly trusts his receivers. To me, when his watching his picks, uh, it seemed mostly downfield. Um, yeah, like you said, the one-on-one situations. But also, I think he's confident in himself. I think he's confident that the throw is going to be on the money, and he he can make that th- those throws. One thing that stood out to me in that Boston College game was, so he throws downfield and gets picked off, right? Uh, well, what's he do on the next play when they get the ball back? He throws deep again, and to me, that just shows. He's able to put it behind him. He wasn't trying to throw it, you know, underneath or play it safe or anything like that. He was going to try again. And I, I wouldn't say that, you know, you look at the seven interceptions and, and sure it's going to jump out at you because they can be, can uh, you don't want to be reckless with them. But you know, on the flip side, he's at sixty-eight percent on his completion percentage. So it's right. not like he's throwing. He's very uh, accurate. Very accurate, and, and to me, the, the interceptions are further downfield. And again, it doesn't look like poor decisions, although. You know, there, there's times where I think he's leaving the ball up too much and the safety's able to go pick it off. But, um, you know, and, and kind of going back to Deshaun, David, you touched on his injury. But, you know, I, I know Clemson fans have to be extremely happy with what they have there. But that's a guy that, you know, he tore his ACL and he still played against South Carolina and got the win. Right. I mean, that's just like legendary stuff for a guy. And, I, and I'm sure any fan, Miami fans can respect that and clearly understand the, the magnitude of being able to do that and beat a rival uh, you can imagine if something were to happen to Brad and he goes up and beats Florida State. I mean, that's the comparison. But, yeah, Deshaun clearly makes him go. And, uh, you know, you mentioned we, we were talking so much about his passing ability. But, man, I saw, you know, he can still run and 
he's yeah. really he's he's real he's so smooth back there. You know what I mean? Like the, the, it seems like he'll get pressure and he'll kind of spin out of it or step up and he doesn't get tackled and he keeps plays alive and or he can run for it. So he's he's definitely a threat both ways. Yeah, I would say his ability to run is something that Miami needs to definitely be aware of. And I think that's the key to stopping uh, Clemson's running game, to be honest. I think, you know, their their lead running back, um, Wayne Gallman, is more of a north-south guy. He's kind of a power runner, um, which Miami... Miami kind of does a good job of handling those guys. It's the guys that have speed that that can get on the perimeter of the defense, beat the defense to the edge that this defense really struggles with. And in those zone read option looks, Deshaun Watson can get to the edge very quickly and he can make a defense pay. So I would say in the running game, Deshaun Watson could be, you know, in, in line for a big game against Miami. One thing I wrote about on the site this week about Deshaun's running ability is where you know everyone kind of knows that he can do both, but Miami's going to face three three quarterbacks that have more rushing yards than Deshaun right now uh, later on this season. So I think this is you know, he's clearly talented. It's going to be a good test, but uh, you know more to come. You know from from the you know so that's going to be something that Miami's going to see in the future uh, later on down the road, and they're going to have to be able to so they're they're going to be have to be able to stop Deshaun, but. What what do you see that they need to do? What would you do? Because obviously, talk about Raphael Kirby's out. What what would you do, or or how how do you think they're going to guard uh, against that, or prevent him from just going off and really dictating the running game from the quarterback position? Well, I mean, Clemson is. I mean, they're a big play offense, so I think that's the number one number one goal for this Miami defense is to limit those big plays. And, you know, Miami's relied so much on turnovers this year. Uh, you know, they have, what, 11 interceptions on the season. I think that's something they're going to be looking to get against Deshaun, uh, who I think has had a pick pretty much in every game this year. Right, Chris? Yeah, I think the, at least four or five in a row. But I, I'm not sure if he had one the first game. But, yeah, it's definitely been uh, nearly every one every game. Cause he's right. Just... So every decent team he's played, he's thrown at least one interception. Um, so Miami's going to look to to continue to get turnovers and bunches. Um, I would say a big key is not letting Clemson start the game fast because in the games I watched against Notre Dame and Georgia Tech, uh, Clemson got off to a very fast start. It was kind of bang, 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 and they're up uh, 14-0 or 17-3. And from that point, it was just hard for those teams to get back into the game because in turn, I mean, we'll talk about it later, but, you know, playing with that kind of lead really helped the Clemson defense too, just kind of pin their ears back and get after it. So Miami's defense has to win that first quarter, I think. Can't let Clemson get off to a fast start. Um, So, yeah, I mean, those are just kind of the the quick keys, I would say, for, for limiting this Clemson attack. Yeah, I think going back to their passing game a little bit, one, one thing that, you know, I've done some radio interviews this week, and one thing I kind of mentioned was, and, and we talked about it too, David, is just how Miami defends the slot receiver. You know, yeah. they, they want to stretch out. They've, they've been doing this. This isn't anything new, but it's nothing that they're going to change. It doesn't seem either. So they, sli- they, they, they like to slide out their linebacker to guard the slot receiver. And we always talk about this, David, is why why don't other teams just attack that, just attack that with their receiver, 
uh, and make Miami either switch up or just just keep going at the slot receiver and make the linebacker guard him. You just don't see that very often. But you know when you watch Clemson, when, when I watch Clemson against Boston College, you know their slot guy Hunter Renfro, uh, you know five ten, just a typical slot guy, doesn't do a lot in, in, in the slot as far as uh, complicated routes. Uh, but sure. they're gonna it's throw reliable, to him. Though. Yeah, reliable. They throw to him. You know, he's a former walk-on that just emerged. And then, you know, he's a guy that can make plays after the catch. And I just think that maybe this is the game that Miami's really going to have to be uh, cognizant of the fact that they they could just keep going at the slot receiver uh, with Renfro there that, that's done well and it's obviously a guy that they like. I would say, too, Deshaun is similar to Brad Kaya in that the Clemson coaching staff really trusts what what he sees on the field. So Deshaun can make uh, checks at the line of scrimmage uh, before any play. So, I mean, I think if he notices that this slot receiver is being covered by Tyreek McCord, I think I would think that's something that, that Deshaun will want to attack and go at. Uh, another thing, I guess, with the Clemson offense that, that Miami needs to be aware of and, and limit is when Clemson goes tempo. I mean, they want to speed up the game on offense and that was something there was one drive I think it was Virginia Tech's uh first touchdown that they scored on that drive Virginia Tech just really ramped up their tempo and on that drive defensively Miami was their heads were spinning they didn't know where to line up they could not keep up with the defensive calls that were coming from the sideline and Virginia Tech was just throwing quick little passes out to the receiver and then the receiver was running for 20 yards because he had so much space because no one was lined up in front of him so Miami needs to be much better with defending the tempo this week against Clemson as well and that's interesting that you noticed that and you know pointed that out and because what happened you know this week Jermaine Grace talking to him about the defense and, and things he actually mentioned you know we've got to and this is just him talking about improvements but they said they're working on they're, they've struggled against teams that that go tempo against him. I, I just thought that was interesting that he was willing to volunteer that information because it is true. And like you said, you noticed it. So uh, they're definitely aware this week that they're going to have to, you know, be on top of things because Clemson, again, you've got to figure these other teams, you got to figure Clemson's going to notice this. Like you said, that drive was just last game. You got to figure Clemson's going to want to do that because they, it's already what they do anyway. So I would expect that Clemson's going to want to exploit that or try to, um, you know, with you know, with the with the tempo, and, and Miami's going to have to be on point, and, and maybe that's where Raphael Kirby's absence will be missed the most. Just uh, this yeah. isn't a you know, just Clemson's clearly talented, and obviously there's those issues, but just the the style. Of, if they're you know they're going to need Miami's going to need uh, you know that veteran presence there with with what's going on. Like you said, if their heads were spinning last week, what's it going to be like this week without Raphael, and you know with what Clemson can do, obviously much better offense than what Virginia Tech had. I think this is a big game for the Miami safety group. They, uh, you know, Clemson's really going to test those guys with quick screens that the safeties are going to have to run through traffic to make tackles. Uh, Deshaun Watson will certainly push the ball deep and test the safeties in coverage. And then you got a north-south runner in uh, Wayne Gallman that when he gets to that second level, I mean, he's going to try and punish those safeties. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think there's a big game for Deion Bush, Jamal Carter, Rayshon Jenkins, Dallas Crawford. Those guys really got to show up and limit. They have to limit the big plays that Clemson can make in this 
short, quick passing game of theirs. And, and clearly, when you we talked about Arteva Scott because that's their number one guy. You know, I mentioned Hunter Renfro there in the slot, but man, they've got other guys that can play. I know Mike Williams is out for the year, but man, they've got playmakers. When you look at them, you know, with Ray Ray McLeod there, he's a shorter guy, uh, yeah. but he's he's a, a young guy that's coming on. Uh, making catches he can go deep you know Deion Kane I know that's a guy that we remember from high school and I know you remember him but you know he he had a big play against Boston College that essentially just made a catch and ran down the sideline so um, you know he's a bigger guy than, than Artavis and, and Ray Ray but um, so they kind of have a mix of receivers and then with Peak there he's their big guy at 6'3 and and Deshaun that's a perfect example of Deshaun uh, trusting his receivers because he was throwing it up to Peak and Peak was making grabs or uh, making plays on the ball and and I think that's a big thing too is that just a six three receiver because uh, like you said you mentioned the safeties being such a big deal this game but um, they definitely Clemson's got a got a arsenal of receivers uh, to go to that that brings something different to the table and Miami's gonna have to make sure they know exactly what each guy is bringing. Last thing I guess with the Clemson offense. Um... You know, going into this season, much like Miami this year, kind of the the big question mark for Clemson's offense was their offensive line. They have a mix. They you know they have a lot of inexperienced guys. Uh, most of them were older, but they just hadn't played much. I think I I do think their left tackle is a true freshman, but he was a five star recruit. Um, to me, the games I watched, they did a they did a pretty good job of of giving. Deshaun plenty of time in the pocket and and they certainly opened a lot of holes for Gallman in the running game I guess did you have any thoughts on the offensive line in, yeah in that game you watched and I didn't even I, I wasn't aware of exactly what what those guys were you know coming into the you know the season and things like that David but you know you watch them against Boston College and that's the number one ranked defense in the country everyone kind of has known that about Boston College how great their defense was but yeah I didn't see any issues I didn't see any issues uh, you know, with their pass blocking was fine. Yeah, Deshaun had time, and and uh, you know, you mentioned Wayne Gallman, and uh, he he was clearly uh, d- doing a good job and had holes, and it was hitting him. And yeah, offensive line looked to do a good job. And another guy that we I want to touch on too on offense was Zach Brooks, who kind of stood out to me. He's yeah. a guy I'm looking right now, only 14 carries on the season, David. But man, that guy, he he was stepping up, and he's a guy that you know just because he gets in there as a backup role. I don't think you can go to sleep on him. He's a guy that can break long runs, and uh, you know. And I saw that last week, and I, I think he's kind of I wouldn't say X factor, but definitely a guy that Miami's still gonna have to pay attention to, regardless of how many carries he ends up getting. Yeah, he's their explosive back. I think his story. He was gonna be the starter last year, and then he broke his foot, and so he's definitely so he's clearly a talented guy. He's a guy that they like. I think they've worked him in more and more as the season has progressed. So. I mean, maybe even over the second half of this season, his carries and Gallman's carries are, are kind of more of an even split. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, Brooks is a is a very talented player as well. Yeah, and before we get into the you know flipping it to the Clemson defense and Miami offense kind of battles, I, I want to talk about Artie Burns a little bit, David, just because um, you know he had two picks last week against Virginia Tech. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and I, I know I wrote an article about him. He's up to five on the year. It's the most interceptions by a hurricane since Sean Taylor and t- when he had 10 in 2003. Um, you know, and Artie's tied for third in the country with those interceptions. Um, he's a guy that's clearly came on. He, the, the article that I wrote, if people didn't see it, it's, you know, that he's, you know, having a great year and he's going to have an NFL decision uh, to make at the end of the season. And I talked to the scout and uh, talked to some other guys about him. And 
um, you know, I, David, we talked about, I feel like we were the only, kind of the only ones talking about this is a, you know, kind of a, this is a NFL year for him. You know, sure. it's not surprising that you're surprised maybe at the production, the five picks, because he only had one coming into the season, but you're not surprised that he's being successful. I mean, he's a guy that's clearly talented and, and he will have a decision and I don't see any reason why he won't be uh, a top round pick or uh, just with his measurables. And, um, and this is a, this is such a big game for him because Maybe if you didn't know about him before on a national scale, again, six games in, five picks. Now you're facing Clemson with all these receivers. I know I've already talked to some people. There's going to be a lot of NFL scouts at the game on Saturday. Um, and this is a perfect opportunity for Artie to make a name for himself. You know, we, we saw him get beat on that touchdown against Virginia Tech. I'm sure, you know, he got the pick later, kind of sealed the game when it was already in hand, really. But um, big game for him. This is a big game for him, big challenge for Artie. And I know he wants to do well. Yeah, and I would say, too, just regarding his interceptions this year, I mean, for the most part, they've been pretty impressive interceptions, whether he's really breaking hard on a on a ball to, to come up with the interception or beat the receiver to the ball. Um, that pick against Nebraska was beautiful. I mean, that was wide receiver quality type catch to, to keep his feet in bounds. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're seeing Artie put it all together here this year. We, you know, Artie came to Miami as an athletic freak, one of the top track hurdlers in the country for his age, really kind of a Olympic prospect in track. Um, but yeah, so he has that speed. He has tremendous size for, for the cornerback position, six foot one, and he's very strong. So now I think we're starting to see the instincts catch up to his physical ability, and it's all coming together on the field right now. And yeah, like you said, he's a guy that, if he keeps this up, I mean, he's definitely going to be drafted in the top three rounds of the NFL draft, and he will definitely have a decision to make. We don't see Miami's defense necessarily rotate their players for to put them on other players. You know, they kind of just yeah. they're out there playing their positions. Whoever shows up uh, on offense, that's who they'll guard. But if it was up to you, David, um, for most of the game, or, or is there a receiver you'd like to see already guarding uh, most of the time? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it, it would be best for him to guard Scott because you're going to need to guard Scott. You're going to also need a corner that can get off blocks, right? Because of the, the, uh, the quick screen game that, that Clemson goes with. So I think a guy like, like corn and Tracy, the other two corners, can kind of get swallowed up. I mean, they're smaller guys. They they'll have a tougher time with with getting off those those quick screens that that come to to Scott throughout a game. Plus, I mean, you know, Artie's just the the most physically gifted in terms of speed of of the three corners, and Arteva Scott certainly has plenty of speed. So, I mean, I I do think it's either you'd like to see uh, Burns or Elder guarding Scott most of the game, but. I would still say Burns just because of his ability to to get off those blocks. Yeah, and and also just um, ability to run with them with Artavis. Yeah. He can run side to side, and because Miami doesn't typically jam at the line, they're not looking to disrupt uh, routes. Um, so maybe right. maybe Tracy would be better at that uh, as far as maybe you'd want that jam there. But because they don't, they they allow they really like to have their corners essentially run with the receivers. Uh, I, I think Artie, that that's where you'd like to see him. And, and it's tough because Artie, again, Artie's their biggest corner. 
and uh, Clemson's got other guys that are taller. Obviously, yeah, you know they, they've did. got bigger receivers, so it's tough to balance it because there there will be mismatches. You know, if if Artie's on Artavis quite a bit, you know where does that put? You know, then you got a six-two Dion Kane against Tracy Howard or Corn, who's obviously smaller than Tracy. You know, guarding. You know, who's going to guard Peak? That kind of thing. So. Um, and then you got the speed of McLeod. So it's definitely going to be interesting to, to watch and to see who has success against Artavis because he, he's clearly the guy. And, and like you said, and like we've talked about, they move him around and they will get him the ball. Um, and, and he's, you know, for example, you know, like, like Miami had a shorter receiver last year and Philip Dorsett, and they wanted to get him the ball. But to me, Artavis is a much different player than Dorsett, even though they're small, fast guys. Dorsett just didn't have that, that, um, that elusive ability in the yeah. open field that you typically see in, in smaller receivers, um, whereas Artavis has that. So they're going to use uh, Scott Moore in, the, like you said, those screen games, and he can be effective uh, with that one cut and go and or multiple cuts and, and, and get forward. So um, you're, you're going to see it. You're, he's a different player than Phillip, even though they're smaller speed guys, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, Scott, Scott will be an NFL wide receiver. He's very good. Um, he's an all-around receiver, like you touched on. He's more of an all-around receiver than than Philip Dorsett was. Um, so yeah, I mean Miami's going to have their hands full, and I mean he's coming off a game where he caught ten passes against Boston College, so they're definitely going to feed him the ball this week. You know, and and also defensively for for Miami, you know, Aquadine Muhammad, what kind of jump will he make in the sense of? We saw what he did against Florida State, and everyone was impressed because it was kind of the first time we'd seen him do that mm-hmm. consistently throughout a whole game and against a good opponent. Now, this is another perfect opportunity for him to to build on what he did. And I know I talked to him afterwards from that game, and he wanted, you know, he felt like, yeah, you know, when people tell me he did good, he's like, yeah, okay, I did good, whatever. But his mindset was just, you know, I want to do more. I want I want to be more productive and make more plays. Well, this is a perfect opportunity, and they're going to need the defensive line to apply pressure on Watson. Um, again, Miami struggled in the last three or four weeks of just, you know, they're not stopping the run or the pass. I know Virginia Tech was limited and their offense struggled, but I guess the three games before, Miami wasn't cutting off the head of either one of those uh, threats. You know, the teams no. were able to run and pass. And and that and Clemson can do the same. You know, they got Gallman and they got Watson, and, and Watson does both. So Miami's going to have to figure a way to, to cut the head off of one threat um, and, and make it make Clemson at least somewhat one-dimensional um, for Miami to win. That they're going to have to stop one or the other. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that's becoming pretty clear here um, in the last two games against Florida State and Virginia Tech is that uh, Al-Qadim Muhammad and Chad Thomas are really emerging as the guys at defensive end. And it's being reflected also in the amount of snaps they're playing and just the impact that they're making. Um, you know, Chad's, Chad's doing a much better job of, of getting pressure on the quarterback and getting around that edge. And Muhammad, he just, you know, he pops off the field with his, with his athletic ability and his energy that he's playing with now. So, I mean, those two guys really have a, have a chance to make a name for themselves this week. Um, but yeah, like you said, they, they have to do a better job of setting the edge against the run. Um. And a lot of that too has has to do with the linebackers. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a tattered group right now with with Trent Harris having to learn the linebacker spot. Tyreek McCord is still. I mean, he's he's been a linebacker for a couple years now, but 
he's still adjusting to it. I mean, he's more of a natural defensive end. And so he's play, he's out there playing linebacker now, more now. And then Jawan Young is getting thrown out there now as a starter. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's the running game to me is a cause for concern. And, you know, like we said, Deshaun Watson, this is the kind of game where the Clemson coaches will say, okay, you have the green light to, to kind of run the ball as much as you want now. And so I expect him to, to definitely utilize that. So flipping it to to the Clemson defense, is there anything else you want to add or ready to go into the defense here? Yeah, let's go into it. With, with their defense, David, I mean, clearly when I watch them, they're, they're, there's multiple talented players. Uh, it's a team that replaces, obviously, a lot of starters from last year. It was a very good defense, arguably the best in the country. Um, and, and they, you know, these these guys are just cycled in and doing well. But I, I, I want to start with Mackenzie Alexander, David. He's a guy that we're both fans of, of his ability, his personality. We remember him as a recruit. I know you you went and saw him in high school. Um, what, what What's some things about McKenzie? Again, for people that don't know, I believe he's one of the best cornerbacks in the country. You look at his stats, it's 10 tackles, no interceptions, one pass breakup, but that does not tell the story if you're looking for production out of, out of what he does because teams simply do not throw at him. Uh, yeah. he, he blankets everyone. Um, he's a big-time player. He's a sophomore. I expect him to be a guy that leaves next year. Uh, if he wants to, he, he's that good. I think he's going to be a top draft pick. I, I think we're going to be seeing him on Sundays for a long time. What, what, do you, what are some things about him that you like, um, either maybe what you remember from him or just kind of watching him now? What, what do you think of his ability? What do you think of him as a person? Yeah, so he's an elite cover guy. Um, like you said, he just doesn't get thrown at much because he is all over the receiver that he's covering because he's, he's that good at covering receivers. So he doesn't get tested. He doesn't get many uh, interception opportunities. Um, the reason why he's so so successful is because of his preparation. He takes his craft very seriously. Uh, you know, I've been watching a lot of Clemson interviews this week, and, and Dabo Sweeney says that after a game, you know, Dabo's always the last one to leave the building. Uh, but the second to last guy to always leave after you know on a game day after a game is Mackenzie Alexander because he's watching the game film, the coach's film from the game they just played because he wants to learn from it. He wants to soak it all in and know what he did well, what didn't work for him. And uh so he's just he's kind of uh gained this reputation of of being kind of a maniacal uh, guy in preparation I, going into this season reporters asked McKenzie you know how many how many games have you watched of, of teams uh, going into this year have, have you already watched film on, on these receivers you're going to face and he's like yeah I've watched them all and uh, you know I wrote pages of notes for each receiver that that each team has that I saw and so I have those notes in a drawer and then come game week I'll go I'll go read those notes and watch them from from the season that that we're playing and come up with some more notes. And he said too, you know, I I he's like I just like to do that. Um, I even take notes on on the receivers on on our team because I just like to be prepared. And you never know if I'm going to see those guys in the NFL. I'm going to need those notes then. So he's a guy who's prepares hard, and because of that preparation, he's ultra confident. 
He's the ultimate competitor, and it shows on the field. I mean, he he talks a lot of trash. He's kind of he he has a mentality. He plays with the swagger that that Miami players used to have at cornerback. You know, those stories you're sharing about him, and I don't know if people quite understand how unique that is. You know, I've covered the team. This is my 13th season, and and covered a number of great players and first round picks and. You know, you hear about preparation and film study, David. We talk to players all the time about it, but you don't hear that. You no. don't hear stories about after game after a game. You don't hear that. You don't hear about the summer stuff, about how much work they're putting into to, to that extent. We don't hear about a drawer full of notes and things like that. And, David, you certainly don't hear that from a cornerback. You know no. what I mean? Like, you're, you're, the things he's doing is so out of character at that position uh, it's so surprising for the age that he is. I, I assume there's guys in the NFL that do similar things like that, but for him to do this at that age is very impressive. And ex- again, extremely successful, but because of it, um, it's just interesting to watch. And, and it, it's so interesting too, David, you know, for a guy that's not getting thrown at, you know, uh, not getting tested and a guy that's had so, you know, a lot of success already, it's interesting that he's putting this much effort into continuing to want to be great. Um, because he's already having so much success and it's seemingly coming easy to him when it is on the game field. But yeah, you mentioned it. That's clearly one of the reasons is because of the preparation. And uh, you mentioned his trash talking stuff and he's clearly confident and speaks with confidence. And I asked, you know, Herb Waters, you know, we've, we've shared a story about him, uh, his confidence earlier this year. Um, but with Herb, I asked him, you know, hey, you're going against McKenzie Alexander. You know, what do you think of that? And he, his eyes just lit up, you know, and he was excited for it and, and stuff. And you know, he's excited for the challenge. He knows he's good and respects what he is and stuff like that. But Herb's excited just to compete against that. And and then he mentioned, you know, yeah, he's like, yeah, McKenzie talks a lot of trash and things like that. And I, you know, I, I said something to Herb because, like, you know, Herb, you guys haven't played this team before. Like, how do you know, how do you know about McKenzie that he's like that? You know, and he's like, oh, I just know you can tell by watching games and stuff like that. So it's gonna be fun. This is one of those games that I know you're down on the field, uh, a little jealous of you, you know, just to be able to see that little battle. Because, you know, McKenzie is going to be taught, you know, Herb, Rashawn Scott's one of those guys that gets a uh, very com- ultra competitive in the game. You know, just being on the sideline for that little game within a game would be really fun to watch just to see how uh, the Miami receivers respond to them. And, and, and again, those guys have, have a lot of pride, too. We talked about, you know, um, guys like Artie looking for the NFL. Well, Herb Waters is a, a senior. He's trying to make a name for himself. You know, Rashawn Scott's a senior. Sure. Also, we saw scout, NFL scouts at practice this week. So those guys want to do well, especially against against a guy like McKenzie. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure they respect him, but they, they definitely want to show him up on Saturday. And, and Miami's going to throw the ball, and they're going to, it'll be interesting to see how often Kyle will go at Alexander. Yeah, I mean, McKenzie talks trash, number one, because he's confident. But also, I mean, number two, it's the game within the game for him. I mean, he's... He's coming at that with the mind game aspect of things. He wants to get in the heads of these receivers and get get them rattled a little bit. And yeah, you touched it too. I mean, it's not just McKenzie against the receiver that he's covering. It's also a battle between McKenzie and Brad Kaya. Um, you know, against Notre Dame, uh, Notre Dame has one of the top receivers in the country in Will Fuller. And McKenzie only let one one pass get caught on him by by Fuller. So... He definitely blankets whoever he's covering. Uh, Miami moves their receivers around a lot. They, you know, line them up in different spots. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they leave McKenzie on one side of the field, or if they have McKenzie shadow a guy like Rashawn Scott, who's 
or even Stacy, who who you know have have had big games for Miami this year. So so if we assume let's let's just say if McKenzie's st- on top of his game and and it's going to be you're going to have to really pick your 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 uh, opportunities to throw at him and things like that. Okay, flip it to the other cornerback on the other side with Tankersley. What do you see in him? Is my is that a guy that Miami can just go at and, and or maybe they should just stay away from Alexander? How do you see the other cornerback position with Tankersley there? And, and is that an or is that just you know another talented guy or is that something you yeah. think that Miami can do well against? Well, I don't think he's as good as McKenzie, but I still think he's very good. I mean, he'll be he'll be an NFL caliber corner uh, when it's his time too. He's he's a He's a bigger corner, six foot one kind of guy, uh, but yeah, I mean he's he's also extremely talented as well. I mean, really, the the secondary, the whole secondary that Clemson has is excellent. It's a very good group there, um, and you know that's reflected in the amount of passing yards they give up per game. Uh, it's around like one fifty, one sixty, and then they're excellent on third down, which you know is an indication that that they have a good pass rush and they're good. Uh, against the pass on third and long situations. So, I mean, I don't necessarily think that there's a guy you can necessarily pick on because, I mean, you, you want to avoid McKenzie as much as possible, but like you said, I mean, Tankers, Tankersley, in my opinion, is very good as well. I mean, if if McKenzie wasn't on this team, you know, you, you could you could say this guy was was the number one corner and you wouldn't blink an eye. I mean, I think he's that good. Yeah, and he definitely gets targets his way. You know, he leads the t- team with two picks. You know, not a lot, but you know, he's up to 19 tackles. Just looking at the stats here, and and you know, watching him on tape and, and things, he definitely makes plays. And um, you know, M- Miami doesn't. The, the if Alexander's on top of again, if Miami's having a hard time uh, breaking free initially, you know, Brad's not gonna Brad's not gonna force it. You know that we've seen that with him and the philosophy of the Miami offense. You know, they want to you know go to whoever's open and look look off so i think brad you know brad's going to look other ways and not necessarily force it in when it's not there or 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 even if it is a top receiver one of miami's top receivers uh, that you're trying to get the ball to i think he's just going to try to go other spots and and um it'll be interesting because you know um you know what what spots will be vulnerable you talk about the secondary i mean you know their their leading tackler uh is a safety you know tj green and then and then you talk, you know, TJ's obviously a good player. And then J. Ron Curse, I mean, he's a guy that most fans remember. He's a former Miami commit and a uh, 6'4 guy, extremely athletic. And, um, it, you know, you're facing a Clemson team with, you know, Curse is a Southwest Florida guy. McKenzie's there, Southwest Florida with Immokalee. I mean, it's just they're going against, um, yeah. you know, those Florida, those typical Florida athletes that are extremely athletic and, and very good players. I will say this. I, I mean, I do think Miami's offense they have to get it going in the passing game against this Clemson defense because one thing Clemson does is they shut down the run. Like it is it's pretty phenomenal to watch because they're very their defensive front is very good at stopping the run game against Notre I mean Notre Dame had one of the top running backs in the country going into that game and he didn't do anything against Clemson and then uh against Georgia Tech I don't think Georgia Tech ran for a hundred yards, uh, which you know is saying something because that's all they do. So, Clemson, Clemson's defense shuts down the run number one, but that's not to say that their their pass defense is not good. I mean, it's very good. I just think, I mean, particularly too, because Miami 
hasn't had much success running the ball the last two games. Um, so I think in order to get something going on offense this week, they're really going to have to find a way to pa- to pass the ball. So what what do you do if you're Miami, David? Because they, they they've clearly came out and said, and they and this is true that they want to be a balanced offense. They want to be able to run and pass. But bottom line right now is they're 102nd in the country nationally in running the ball. So they're not able to run. But so if you're Miami, do you how much do you stick with it? Because you know Golden talked about last week with Virginia Tech that they wanted to, you wanted to keep running the ball and so to keep the other team honest and that kind of thing. But if it's not working, like how you know they only had I think. 16 carries I think between the running backs against Florida State and they weren't able to run the ball would you want to if you're Miami you know basically how patient can you be if the running game isn't working do you just stick with it or do you eventually you're just like you know what we're just going to try passing the ball because we can't run and we're not moving the ball if that's what ends up happening I think this I think this offense has to pass the ball in order to run the ball so I mean, the the success that Miami's had when they have had success running the ball is out of shotgun. So it's kind of uh, an off-balance type running attack where they're showing a passing formation and then they decide to run the ball. Um, So yeah, I mean, I think in order to establish a running game, Miami has to get that passing game going first. So if that passing game isn't clicking, then I just don't see any way that that you can kind of force that running game into being productive but if they're not able to run do you just keep trying to sprinkle in runs or do you just say you know what we're just going to throw it because i think that that could be something that happens because if it gets into you can't just be wasting series and if you're not able to run the ball and and you know maybe uh it'll be one of those games that that'll be something to watch i think because it might just be one of those games where there's no point in you know running the ball so much if uh you know you're not getting uh, if you're not breaking free at all, so I think, and we'll see that early. I think within that first half or first quarter, you'll kind of know what's going to happen. But if they're able, you know, and you saw it, I think you probably saw it in the games you watched. But there, there, sometimes there are holes in the Clemson defense that teams are able to, you know, get a little run here and there off of them, and uh, it's just definitely tough because that front seven's impressive and um, they're impressive pass rushing as well. So. Um, it's definitely going to be tough to run against. It'll be interesting just to see because I'm curious. I'm curious what Miami's going to do um, if they're not able to run um, and, and just how much they're going to just keep trying to run or if they're just going to be like, you know what, let's just focus on the pass and let's let's just try to beat them that way. Yeah, I mean, I think for this opponent, I think Miami's going to have to throw the ball. I think they're going to have to have success through the air. If they're going to win, it's because Brad Kaya has a big day. Um I don't think this is a Joe Yearby kind of game. I thought I thought that chance was there against Virginia Tech. I thought Joe Yearby would be able to have a, a decent game. Um, I mean, he had 100, I guess, combined receiving and rushing, but he couldn't really ever get the run game going. Uh, I just don't see that possibility against Clemson, to be frank. Yeah, especially because, again, you look at the front seven. For me, when I looked at them, what stands out to me is their two ends. Yes, uh, David. You know, with with Dodd and Loss and the, the both those guys. I mean, you know, they're nearly on pace for twenty tackles for loss for each for the season. I just think that's extremely impressive, and that's what you want from a defensive line. Um, so yeah, the, the, the definitely they, they're going to be applying pressure, and it's just a bad bad timing for Miami, or, or just a bad situation in the sense that the offensive line is struggling so much uh, right now, and they don't really know which five to go with, and. Whereas you're coming in with a Clemson team that's really clicking on all cylinders on their front four, and um, 
it definitely could be problems. And and uh, we talked so much about how you know that while the offensive line has struggled, they've not allowed sacks. Well, this might be one of those games where uh, Brad's you know going to have to make those decisions on whether just to take a sack or throw the ball away because we haven't seen a lot of that. You know, he kind of has been making quick throws and kind of avoiding situations even though he's gotten hit. Um, but this one might be because I think Clemson's defensive line is capable of finishing finishing off the the sack and the big play. Yes, Shaq, the the two defensive ends, Shaq Lawson and Kevin Dodd, are the best all around defensive ends that that Miami has seen so far this year. So Virginia Tech had two pass rushing smaller type defensive ends. The the defensive ends that that Miami will see this week that Clemson has are both 6'3", six, 6'5", six, and they're both about 275 pounds. So they are very well-rounded. They both can really rush the passer, and they both can really set the edge against the run because they're big, strong guys. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the challenge is great there at on the edges for, for these offensive tackles that Miami has. And it could be... I mean, it's it could be similar to the pressure that that Florida State was consistently getting. I would say these defensive ends are better than the defensive ends Florida State had. So, I mean, in some ways, I it could be a long day for these offensive tackles for Miami. I would think hopefully um, they would bring in a tight end to help chip block these defensive ends at time. Uh, but we'll see, I guess, how Miami handles it this week. Yeah, and something I touched on uh, this week with the, you know, I mentioned the unbalanced offensive line, which is essentially adding the six linemen. Um, but we've seen that at Miami and not under Golden, but just in, in the past, we saw this with a line that was struggling. What they did was they brought in the extra tackle, and that's just what they were going to be doing. And it was interesting. I felt like that could be, some, you know, it's just an option. You know, who knows what they're going to do? Uh, yeah. It's just something to think about is, you know, because we're trying to figure out, because you're looking at it like what their personnel is on the line and, yeah. well, what can you do? You know, they they're shuffling guys. Right. I mean, especially you've got the whole rest of the season. And um, again, the struggles are not because of injury and the shuffling isn't because of injury. It's just simply because the guys aren't playing well enough and um, they've got to figure out a way to to get it going. And again, it's uh, you can only do the same thing over and over again and getting uh, below average results before you you, you make a drastic change. And I think that they're trying. They're trying to make a trying to make a move or trying to keep guys fresh or do something. So we'll see how it happens. And again, Clemson clearly has the horses to make it really difficult for Miami. Yeah, I mean, another thing Clemson does, I mean, it's not to the extreme of Virginia Tech, but Clemson shows a lot of different looks with their fronts. They're not afraid to blitz. They're not afraid to drop their defensive linemen back in coverage for some confusing looks. So they definitely mix it up as well, um, which, you know, is big for the offensive line because you need to have very good communication against teams that do that kind of stuff. Uh, is there anything you want? we got a bunch of questions here about kind of the game, maybe some things we we haven't touched on yet. Uh, do yeah. you want to go through these or do you sure. any last thoughts? All right, we'll no, just yeah. Okay, the questions, you know, and appreciate you guys chiming in. You can do it on the message board or on Twitter. Uh, you, you know, just ask questions. So let's just start it with with RAP Sean Taylor twenty one. You, t- you know, he wants to know: Do you agree with Jordan Leggett has the ability to do what Eric Ebron? did against the Canes, um, you know, a few years ago, if not properly game-planned against? Do you think he can have that kind of a game? I wouldn't say that kind of game because, I mean, Ebron was is extremely athletic. Like, he's Kellen Winslow-type athlete at tight end. Uh, I do think, I mean, Leggett is very good, 
I think he's a guy you particularly look at in the red zones. So I don't think necessarily the yardage will be there like it was in that Ebron game. Um, But the touchdowns could be there. I mean, he's a guy with his size, and he does run very well for a guy his size. But I just don't think it's the same kind of athlete that Ebron was. To me, it's that, and then also what they were, what they are to their teams. Ebron was clearly a top option for North Carolina. Leggett, to me, is just a piece of the puzzle. Um, Clearly can make plays, but isn't a guy that they're going to go to nearly as much as North Carolina did with Ebron. So, but definitely no, no, no question. We talked about it too. They've got to keep their eyes on Leggett. Uh, like you said, especially in the red zone, um, you know, Warsap 80, who do you guys think is the better quarterback? You know, Brad Kyer, or Deshaun Watson. Well, like I said earlier, I think it's close, but I, right now I like Deshaun. I just, man, he just throws a pretty pass. He's got a quick little snappy release. He also can run the ball. I mean, he can run. He's extremely athletic. And he's he's very smart, too. He makes similar you know calls and checks like Brad does. I, I think both are good quarterbacks. I would, I would give the edge to Deshaun. Yeah, I think I agree. I think Watson has the edge. I think his production has been there. You can't discredit what he's been able to do with winning the games. Uh, that's something Brad hasn't done enough of. I think without question, Deshaun has the edge on. He's had the better career thus far. Uh, he's to me, he's also the better player. Um, again, another opportunity for Brad to show. Again, you know, everyone respects Clemson, six in the country. I think to me, David, I think they're the best team in the ACC. I think they're a legitimate yeah. national title contender. To be honest, uh, with yeah. what they have, and uh, but you know, perfect opportunity for Brad Kaya to again, while locally, you know, a lot of fans are very high on Brad for the most part, you know. Um, this is an opportunity for Brad to get his name out even more if he yeah. can lift uh, Miami to a win. Or, or, and you don't get these opportunities very often. The ACC is not just littered with ranked teams all the time and, and certainly not top 10 teams. So uh, Brad gets him at home, and, and uh, you know, this is just an opportunity for him to, to outplay uh, Deshaun, and, and then you know we'll see afterwards. But, um, yeah, I don't think there's any other question. I think Deshaun's clearly the better player right now, and he's had the better career. I think the things he's able to do – uh, with throwing the ball uh, has been better than Brad. And I mentioned the 68%, you know, Brad's not close to that. And the QBR, total QBR thing, while well, Brad was it was in the 40s last year, he was in 40 to 50 for most of the season this year. They jumped to 30, whereas Deshaun's top top 10 and close to five. So I think right. he's just been better. So, but, but clearly, you know, Brad has an opportunity. So next question, I plead the fifth, says, how would you game plan against Watson? We kind of touched on that. And then also the other que- another question is let's go on this one is what should we do offensively to win the game, run heavy to control the clock and you know maybe slow the game down, and protect Kaya with a short passing game with an occasional shot or option, um, you know just I guess just basically what are your thoughts on how to offensively what should Miami yeah. do? I know we so touched I, on a little bit. I don't like the running game in this game. I just, I mean I understand the theory of you got to do it to keep them honest, but man I just. What Clemson can do against the run is scary. I think Clemson, I mean, Clemson's secondary, like we touched on, is very talented, but there is opportunities to take your shots. I mean, it's similar to Florida State, similar to Virginia Tech. There's chances there to take shots, and there's chances for these receivers to make plays one-on-one. So to me, as an offense you know, at the Miami offense facing Clemson this week, that's what I would do. I would rely on that 
that passing game, and I would take my shots with Rashawn Scott, Stacy Coley, and Herb Waters. Yeah, I agree. And also, let let take a step back on like what is Miami's strengths? Their best players are their quarterback. I think their receivers uh, are are also their best players, and and I don't think uh, the running game and the offensive line. I think they trail the offensive line or the the receivers and the quarterback quite a bit. So again, I, I want to see them throw the ball and again, clear like you said, the clearly Clemson's talented in the secondary, but I don't I think this is one of those games where you could you look up and and you can't run for twenty yards. You know, I just think it's one of those games, especially because what we've seen in the past, they they struggled against Florida State running the game, running the ball and really they've kind of struggled all season, you know, ranked hundred and second right now. So I think they've got to they've got to throw the ball and, and, and mix it up, you know, go downfield underneath i don't think the tight end is necessarily going to be in play um because you got to be careful with you know i think they're going to need that extra blocker but they've got to mix it up in the passing game and and mix up who they're going to also which they, they've clearly done throughout the year yep next question the source 01 you know how do you believe brad kai will fare against the clemson pass rush and their secondary well you know i, I don't know if that's necessarily a brad kai issue as much as an offensive line issue so yeah, I mean, I I have definite concerns against these these Clemson defensive ends, uh, you know, going against Miami's offensive line. I think the potential is there for it to be a very long day. And yeah, I mean, if if they are having the kind of day that I expect, certainly Brad could could uh, you know make some bad decisions, and Clemson is definitely good enough to to take advantage of those situations. So, I mean, really that's what it comes down to. That's what the offense comes down to is how do Miami's offensive tackles do against those Clemson defensive ends? Uh, just real quickly answer this one. Also, he wants to know, uh, considering that the coaching staff is, the coaching staff is set on their ways. Do you believe that they may play their best players until they're ready to come out? Uh, I'm sorry, I don't understand the question. It, it goes back to what we did with that defense. You know, the player reps, amount of reps players are they're rotating a bunch of guys in. He wants, right. to, he kind of wants to know. Do you know? Do you think that they'll play the best players? The coaching staff will play the best players until they're tired and ready to come out, or do you think that's going to be somewhere what we've um, seen where they rotate so much? Because it is a big game, so maybe things will be different. I guess. Right. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think. Well, it's going to be interesting at linebacker just because there's not very many numbers anyway. So, I mean, the guy who I'm interested in watching in terms of the rotation is Jawan Young. Like, I mean, Raphael Kirby basically played the whole game, right, Chris? Yeah, he yeah, he essentially was over 90%. Yep. So, you know, Jawan Young plugs in now. Is he going to be in the 90% for snaps or are they going to rotate him with I guess they're saying Trent Harris is going to be the backup middle? Yeah, I think that's something we, we didn't touch on at all, but yeah, if Trent Harris is if they're rotating him back at linebacker against this team, I, I don't think that's going to work. I don't I don't know if he's ready for that. I don't think he's that kind of a player. Um, I don't think he can be effective at, at middle linebacker. I mean, you know, even even I mean, there's signs that they are willing to play the best players. Like you you feel like Alquadine Muhammad and Chad Thomas are starting to get a lot more snaps than the other defensive ends, but but then you see stuff like against Virginia Tech where. Mike Smith is out there as an outside linebacker where, I mean, I don't know if he's necessarily ready yet at this point. And then on that same drive at safety, it was uh, true freshman Jaquan Johnson, and he was paired with Dallas Crawford, who's 
you know, been frankly the the worst safety on the team this year. So, I mean, I mean those guys weren't playing a lot, but the fact that they were out there is troubling. Yeah, Mick L. What do you think has been the main reason why Miami has had such a difficult time against dual threat quarterbacks? And do you see any potential for success this week against Watson? Well, I think it's two things. I think it's kind of a, I mean, under Al Golden, it's kind of become a big slow defense. So, you know, these dual threat quarterbacks can get to the edge before this Miami defense can. And yeah, I mean, I think Deshaun, well, success going what way? I think Deshaun, I think the potential is there for Deshaun to have a big game rushing the, rushing the ball against this Miami defense. Yeah, I think they kind of meant, does, does the Miami defense have any potential for success? I think also with dual threat, too, I, you know, they don't seem to be spying the quarterbacks, um, you know, putting an extra guy there just, just to limit that. And I know the dual threat thing, you know, goes back a long ways. But also, you know, dual threat quarterbacks are tough. You know, if they're, yeah. they're starting at this level, they, they have success doing that. So, um, and, and if I were to say one way or the other, if Deshaun's going to have a good game or bad game, uh, I, you know, I know the interceptions are there. For him, I know Miami has picked off passes and done well, but at this point, I think he is. I think he is going to be successful. I would lean more towards that than 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 the flip side, based on things I've seen from him, things I've seen from the Miami defense thus far this year. Right. I mean, a game like against Notre Dame, he ran for you know ninety yards and a touchdown. So, and I think in his touchdown run was like close to thirty yards. So, I mean, Deshaun can definitely. He's very good. He can run against any defense so miami hoyas wants to know and he does this every week he's always chiming in i know people know this already but again the the mark walton um argument why is he still playing again i, I even asked golden this what is he what is he struggling with you know it's it's under three two a carry uh for the last five games you know what what is going on there and then you know conversely when people want to know about mark walton it's why isn't trey on gray getting elevated or at least an opportunity when mark is struggling so much so um you know the answer. What you know, they believe in Mark. I, I don't. You know that's just what yeah. they believe in, and um, they believe he's going to turn around. And he's doing fine, and clearly there's something wrong with. They don't like Treyon enough um, to even put him out there. You know they just don't trust him enough. So that, yeah. right or wrong, that's just how they what they believe. And um, we've already talked about it enough. We believe Treyon should get in there and should be given the opportunity. Um, and I don't see. I'll say this. I think if he's in there, David, I don't. I don't think he's he's not getting three yards a carry. I don't think, I sure. think he's I think he's doing better than that, you know. And I don't think that's uh, out of line. But what's crazy is too, not only is he Mark struggling with his yards per carry, he's doing that with getting at least ten carries and and four out of those five games. So he's getting his carries right. and still struggling. And I don't see why you're you're not limited. I don't I don't get it. We've talked about it before. Um, and you know who knows maybe I guess things will change. Or but to me it sounds like at this point it's going to just stay the same. Uh, Shad fourteen nineteen says, "Do you feel we'll be able to sh- limit Shaq Lawson's impact?" We kind of touched on that a little bit. I mean, the guy's a beast on the end. Um, yeah, we've talked about different things, either bringing the tight end or the, uh, maybe another extra offensive line. Or it's going to be tough. The guy's good. Um, you know, and here's this is a good question. You know, he also wants to know Deshaun Watson again. The dual threat uh, presents a dual threat. Do you guys feel we will will be better prepared? Or will it be like it was against Tommy Armstrong in the fourth quarter of the Nebraska game? Because obviously Tommy could do both and and gave Miami all kinds of troubles that quarter. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say 
they're kind of different with the way that they run, though. I mean, really, I would say Deshaun... I, th- I think Tommy was kind of more comfortable throwing outside the pocket than Deshaun is. I mean, Deshaun will certainly do that as well. But, I mean, when Deshaun throws the ball, he really kind of throws the ball from the pocket. And, uh, you know, Tommy Armstrong was killing Miami with extending plays outside the pocket and then kind of chucking it deep to an open Nebraska receiver when, when the coverage broke down. So I would say Deshaun can also buy time with his feet, but he doesn't really look to do that nearly as much as Tommy Armstrong. I would say, I mean, personally, in my opinion, I think just based on pure runner, like in a zone read quarterback keeper situation, I think Deshaun is a more talented runner than, than Tommy Armstrong too, to be honest. Yeah. It's almost maybe, would you say it's similar styles and what kind of what we saw with Teddy Bridgewater a little bit and the fact that he can run, but he prefers to throw. Is that, would that be? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I, yeah, I would say though that I think Deshaun is faster. I think yeah. he's a more, talented more athletic. Runner. Yeah, I agree. I just, it seemed to be that kind of what we, those kind of the statements we said about Teddy was just yeah. that again, he can run, but he's still looking to uh, pass. That's kind of, and I think that I agree. I, I see that with Deshaun too. And, um, and that's what makes him so good is because he wants to throw it. Whereas Tommy w- seemed like he was still coming on and you saw flashes with, with it um but again the completion percentage uh completely different with what deshaun's been able to do and things he's been able to do throwing the ball um just a couple more david this is an interesting one i like this question ducci wants to know what is coach coley's philosophy when calling plays in the red zone he's like i don't recall seeing two tight end eye formation sets in short yardage situations or lining up big targets like joku or cager uh try out wide to try a jump ball um, is, is Brad Kaya that uncomfortable under center? I know he fumbled the one time they had him under center. Yeah. I mean, I think that that center exchange was interesting because I want to say that the backup, I think, was it Alex Gall at center at that time? I think it switched over. Yeah. I don't think Linder was even the center then. And yeah, they went and it was just a total mess. Um, yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before, just James Coley, his general philosophy, and I think it just kind of works in the red zone too with him, is he goes with what the defense gives him. So, you know, just in broad terms, if if the offense sees the defense line up with um, one safety back, Miami's going to pass. If they see two safeties back, chances are you're going to see Miami run the ball. So it's... I wouldn't necessarily say Miami has a philosophy because they don't really, you know, play like that. They just kind of do what the defense gives them, so to speak. Yeah, and I just want to touch on something because I was just thinking about the shuffling with Gall and the offensive line, and we touched on it briefly earlier. But, David, again, with this offensive line stuff, uh, they know your team. You know what I mean? Like, they should have known what this was, what what it was going to be. Um, even last season, you could have seen, you know, how things were developing. And again, from spring ball, we saw how they handled it in spring and just, you know, again, we're, we're talking about game six, game seven, they're, they're shuffling things around cause it's not quite working. And, you know, you're talking about, uh, center to guard, to guard, to tap. I mean, all this stuff moving around. And, um, I, I just think just know your team. I mean, you get, you yeah. get to be with them all, all the time. And I believe so much, I, just the way I kind of 
view sports in general, just, you know, you give guys roles and you develop within roles and you, you get the most out of them, um, you know, at that position, you know, this shuffling around stuff. And, you know, if he's a guard, then let him play guard and, and, and leave him there and let him develop. And um, I, I just, it, it's just hard to watch. And um, it's something I, I disagree with how they handle it. And, and it's not just now. I mean, this is just kind of their philosophy of how they've done things. Um, it's just been hard to watch with the shuffling of players and um, the way they, their philosophy on it. It's kind of the thing I talked about in the defensive article breakdown that I had a while ago. Just um, they shuffle guys in and I just, you know, pick your guys, you pick the best ones and you go with those that you, you ride or die with your best players. And, uh, you're essentially your your best players, and we talk about this all the time. Look, your b- bottom line, your best players win your games. You know what I mean? Like they they talk so much about these other guys, but your best players win the games, and and, de- and essentially depth doesn't count unless, unless they're all talented. You know, just having guys go in doesn't do much for you. Um, and I think you're, you're just stunting development when you're shuffling guys so much. Going back to the red zone offense, the um, it's going to be a big key for this game is. Because that's been something that's plagued Miami this whole season is way too many field goals in the red zone. I think Michael Badgley, I mean, Michael Badgley, the kickers, had a great year. He's 16 of 19 on field goals. But, I mean, at the same time, 16 field goals is way too many. I mean, a lot of those need to be touchdowns. So Clemson's an offense that will score touchdowns. And Miami needs to answer with touchdowns, not red zone field goals. So... Again, that'll be something to watch this week as well. Yeah, definitely. And, and and again, to win a big game, you've got to get touchdowns, and and that will be a like you said, that's a key. And I think part of it's just a the thing I see is just kind of what they are. I think it just comes down to when your conservative approach to the way you play your your style of play ultimately, I believe, is conservative. Um, I think that's when it shows up when you when you get to the red zone. It's not an attacking. It's not just this crazy attacking offense and. And, you know, going at guys, and you know, they, they believe in um, the conservative approach. And I think it catches up to them when you get in the, those final 20 yards where um, where I think you do have to take some more chances um, the, down there. And, and that's the thing. Well, Brad's not, you know, he has only has the one interception. But then again, on the flip side, he's not making enough um, tough plays in the end zone. Um, you know, so I, I don't think it's quite balancing out. Whereas you kind of have to take the good with the bad down there. And the bottom line is they're just getting field goals and, yeah, this is a game where, where you've got to get touchdowns. And um, it seems like their touchdowns, they seem to be, um, you know, are they thrown in or long runs in? It just seems like most of the time they're, they're short yardage and they end, end up kind of inching their way to the end zone. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I, I would say an issue with, you know, why they're kicking more field goal red zones than, than they should, uh, field goals in the red zone than they should is because, you know they write they rely so much on the passing game right so when you get to the red zone everything just becomes tighter and it's harder to pass the ball in the red zone because everything's so tighter and it's hard to fit things in there so i mean ideally you would like to have that strong running game in the red zone to kind of punch things in there and really i mean the uh, miami's not equipped for that to be frank i mean their offensive line is a, is a pretty poor run blocking unit and then their running backs are you know relatively small they don't really have a big running back to to punch things in there so uh it it's kind of showing up in the red zone like you said uh they they rely too much on the passing game to to get the ball to the red zone 
or they rely not too much, but they rely heavily on the passing game to get the ball to the red zone. But then they just can't squeeze it in through the air in the red zone. They want to run the ball, and whether it's offensive line penalties or just ineptitude with their run blocking, they can't get it done. Uh, last question uh, with, from Red Zulu wants to know about the offensive line. We've talked so much about them, but you know, do you, do you think the changes will help them um, help them down the road? Um, I mean, I do agree with Casey McDermott at guard. I think that's something that needs to be explored more. You know, I think he is one of the better run blockers they have on the roster. And, I mean, he his pass blocking ability, you would have to believe, is better than Alex Gall's just because, I mean, Casey's worked mostly at tackles. So you would expect him to be. So, yeah, I mean, I think it might it might make a slight improvement, but um ultimately i think these guys kind of are what they are so i don't think it's going to totally change the game that way and clearly um just kind of wrapping up david clearly your thoughts on this game the after effect you know if miami is able to pull off this upset things are looking better uh clearly yeah. it doesn't erase the two two losses before in the season um it doesn't erase the seven lot 22 all, all these numbers it doesn't erase everything but it certainly helps um it definitely helps, and uh, it would be a big win for Miami. Um, it's something a big win has eluded them for a while now. Um, but it, you know, the way I look at it, it just looks tough to to figure out how Miami is going to win this game, other than essentially just if Clemson if Clemson is Clemson, if, if if they are what we've seen, Clemson's going to run away from it, I think. But um, you're hoping that you know you just cut, catch them on a bad day and. Again, you're able to throw the ball, and Clemson just struggles, or or maybe Watson just can't get into a rhythm, and those kind of things for Miami to win. But you know, conversely, if Miami loses this game, David, um, I think they'll again it'll just continue the talk of uh, where's the progress with this program. Um, it's hard to judge. It's hard to necessarily criticize for losing to the top ten, a top ten team. Um, however, it's not about one game. Um, when we talk about Al Golden, it's about everything he's done in the past, and and that's where the fans are frustrated. And I think, and again, that that will clearly uh, ramp up even more. You know, if they if they don't win this game, yeah, I think in terms of this game this week, um, yeah, I mean it's a tough task. I, I, you know, I think the people listening to this can tell we're pretty high on Clemson and believe that they're a Final Four team at the end of the year. Um, but yeah, I mean. I would say Miami has two things going for it in this game is, you know, the games at Miami. This team has been much better playing at home than they have been on the road. And the turnover battle, uh, you know, in big games like this can can play out in a huge way. And, and Miami's been very good at that this year. So if Miami can generate turnovers on defense and Brad Kaya can continue to protect the ball, uh, you know, maybe the Hurricanes have a shot here. Yeah, we'll see what happens, and uh, we'll be back next week re- reviewing the game, um, talking more about the team and everything. And obviously, we're going to do a basketball season preview podcast just on the basketball team. Um, if for those that are interested in the basketball team. But again, thanks for everyone for listening, staying patient with us. Um, and you know, this was a long podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, we'll see what happens on Saturday. David, good talking to you. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, it'll be fun. Take care. See you.